This time on the Roll Right Radio podcast with New York Mike. If that happened under Trump, we'd be incensed. We'd be furious. The border issue. If the, what was going on in the border today was going on during Trump's presidency, we'd be screaming about it. If Trump pulled out of Afghanistan and handled it the way Biden did with that debacle and left 450 Americans behind and thousands of our Afghan allies who put their lives on the line for us, if what's going on there now was going on during Trump, we would not stand for it. I think that people like me would have stood up and said, get them out of here. I think we all would have been. He wears black denim trousers and motorcycle boots and a black leather jacket with his name on the back. He does a patriotic podcast called Roll Right Radio. His name is New York Mike, and welcome to the show. This is Roll Right Radio. I'm New York Mike. Roll Right Radio with New York Mike. That's me. And Petrina. Petrina. How you doing, Petrina? Good. How are you, Mike? I'm good. <laughs> What's new? What's going on? Where's justice in the American way? That's it. Thank you. There you go. Truth, justice in the American way. That's what Roll Right Radio is about. Rolling right correctly conservative american values i like it i i like it a lot i don't know why people have an issue with it we can discuss these things but this is important you know what else i want to discuss though before we get into all the cpt the critical political stuff i've been doing a lot of writing lately and we've been riding together you know yeah. quite a bit it's been been kind of cool kind of fun yeah and i came across a cool article about the 2021 BMW versus the Harley Davidson R18. Is that my bike? Well, that's, oh, wait a minute. No, the R18, yours is the M18 motor, right? The motor, right. which is a 114. So it's a little confusing. The BMW R18 Classic, that's the BMW, versus the Heritage 114. And it's a long article, right? I mean, this guy took the bike, rode it through the mountains of California, through the hills north of L.A. Both bikes. Both bikes. Well, him and there were two guys. Okay. It was the um, editor of uh, Ultimate Motorcycling, editor Don Williams and this other dude who wrote the article. <laughs> and, yeah, it's great. But the guy did, you know, an excellent job of giving you good information on both bikes. And the reason I bring it up, of course, the end of the day, they both liked the Heritage better. But of course, this is the bike you ride. Right. 2021 Heritage 114. Mm -hmm. And you love it, right? I love that bike, yeah. It's a it's a great bike. We've, you know, got a few miles of it. And yeah, about three, 4,000. I think, yeah, a lot more than this guy. But still, it's nice to see Harley Davidson going head to head with BMW in these magazines. I've been reading these magazines since the 70s at least. And, you know, whether it was Rider Magazine or any of these others, they all try to take this uh, objective posture. And i be honest with you, I've never looked at it objectively as, you know, uh, back in those days, we knew everything American 
we were losing to the Japanese, we were losing to the Germans. Our cars weren't competing. There's a lot of reasons for it, and I can go into some of them, but it's not necessary. We've definitely caught up in many cases, have passed them. I'm sorry, but I think a Ford or a Chevy is equally as good as any other car on the street. Cadillac, I think they've come back. I think Michigan has learned the lesson. I think they've learned that it's important to build that quality machine in America. Harley-Davidson always had it. I mean, not in the 60s or the 70s, certainly, but when they came back in the 80s, I think quality was something that they focused on as much as innovation and technology. And that's great. But I, I didn't start riding Harleys because I just equated objectively which bike was better. Because we would have been <laughs> Mr. Lowest on the totem pole. There's no question in my mind. I always say that the only bike worse than a Harley back then, when I started riding Harleys in the 60s, was the Ural, the Russian. I've never even heard of that. Yeah, that's the, the Russian bike. And we rode the bike, not because it was objectively this great bike. We rode it because it's American. It was an American-made bike. And the only American-made bike after 1953 when they were a Hundreds, maybe 150, 200 American motorcycle manufacturers in this country from, you know, 1900 until 1953, the last one. The last two were Harley and Indian, and Indian went out of business in 1953. Now, I know that the, the Indian that's out now, which is Polaris with the name Indian, claims their heritage goes back to 1901. Well, it doesn't. It goes back to, what, I don't know, 2008, 9, 10, whenever, whenever Polaris built it. And it's a good bike. And it's an American bike, and they got nothing to be ashamed of. So I don't know why they try to claim that their lineage goes back to 01, but it doesn't. And there's no reason for them to have to do that, and they wish they wouldn't. It bothers me. And like I said, truth, justice, in the Amer is the American way, by the way. So anyway... I see this, and it triggers two thoughts in my mind. It's great to see us go head-to-head -head with some of the finest motorcycles on Earth. And that includes the Honda. The Honda Goldwing was always a great competitor. But it's, again, it's a motorcycle. And my decision was to ride Harleys because it's American. I think I did the same thing with cars. But with cars, I didn't feel that same passion for American. I, I was angry at General Motors. I was angry at Ford. I bought American cars in the 60s and the 70s. My first new car, a 1970 Thunderbird with four door with the doors opening inside. You know, I loved that car. It was beautiful. It fell apart. And then the Cadillacs that I had and everything else, they fell apart. And... You expected them to fall apart. I remember I had a 73 Cadillac, brand new, and the transmission just died. I don't think I had 1,500, 2,000 miles. And did you bring it back to the caddy? It was just a nightmare. Everything was. But I didn't have that passion. But in motorcycles, there's something about being American, something about the whole story of Harley and the whole club, the whole motorcycle club world, coming back from World War II, the camaraderie, getting together, riding these American motorcycles, the whole story. And that, that's what caught me 
in the 50s and the 60s, growing up in the 50s in Brooklyn, New York, and Coney Island, and seeing the Harleys and Indians with their rear tires to the curb in front of the Cyclone. If you went to the Cyclone on Surf Avenue, the very beginning of the Coney Island, what was the amusement park with Nathan's and Steeplechase Park and all that, Raven Hole and, and the whole street after street of rides and, and all that. And right at the beginning was the Cyclone and all the Harleys and Indians guys to go by. What excited me more than the Cyclone or any of the, the motorcycles? The Harleys, just seeing them there was exciting. And now, all these years later, we can actually put ourselves up against, I mean, a BMW, they're, if it's the R18, whatever BMW makes, if it's comparable to the Harley and we come out ahead, that's a huge statement. That's a very big deal for American manufacturing. Does that make sense? Sure. It's a bike you ride. No, I think it's great. I'm very impressed. Good. All right. Well, having said that, and I'm very impressed and happy, and it was an excellent article, and I thank the author and my friend Steve Prager, by the way, for sending it to me. Talking about Steve Prager, and Steve Prager is one of the board of directors of Rolling Thunder. He was head of security for Rolling Thunder. I think he's still runs the Rolling Thunder Charities, and we were just talking about Rolling to Remember. Rolling to Remember is coming up in Washington this Memorial Day, which is, if everybody doesn't know the story by now, we had 32 years of Rolling Thunder, and the Rolling Thunder, Audie Muller, the, the founder of Rolling Thunder, the, how do I say it, the legendary Audie Muller decided that we couldn't go to Washington anymore, that we were going to go to all these different cities and have Rolling the Thunder events on Memorial Day in different cities. And and I just vehemently disagreed with that decision. And thankfully, the AMVETs disagreed just as vehemently and decided to pick up the mantle and create Rolling to Remember. They couldn't use the, the Rolling Thunder name so they use Rolling to Remember. You know, Rolling Thunder, we, we made that noise back in the, in the 80s when, you know, no one heard, no one knew anything about POWs and MIAs. It wasn't the big issue it is. The Vietnam vet, you know, we were just slighted and slammed and put on the side. And all of a sudden, Rolling Thunder comes up after, yeah, that was 87, so the wall was dedicated in 82. Five years after the wall is dedicated, all of a sudden, we come down and celebrate we would celebrate in the wall from 82, but each year coming down the motorcycles and growing it, and then boom, rolling thunder comes in in 87. And by 88 and 89, it's loud. People are hearing about it. And it's because it was in Washington every year, year after year. By 2019, I think it's safe to say we had a million bikes. A million bikes at, at rolling thunder. And then the next year, we had rolling to remember, and COVID hit. And that's when. Me and Robert Patrick and Joe Channelly and Jan Brown and the rest of the team from the AMVETs rode at the White House. And so it was great. Last year, it was the first year that Rolling to Remember put everything together. These guys from the AMVETs, Jan Brown, Joe Channelly, all the other people involved, 
did a great job, had 50,000 bikes for Rolling to Remember Memorial Day. An amazing job after being decimated by the fact that Rolling Thunder wasn't there anymore and also COVID had come in. So this year, I guess it would be the third year of Rolling to Remember. And this year is the first year after the debacle in Afghanistan, the end of the war in Afghanistan, 20 years of war, and we walk away from it. And I know I commented on articles and tweets. People said, oh, this is the first year that we don't have any POWs or MIAs. We left over 450 Americans behind. And I don't know what the real number is. Nobody knows. At first, they told us there's about 100. And even if there was just one, it's one too many. 100 is crazy. 450 is what they're acknowledging right now. I'm sorry. I don't believe anything that's coming out of this administration. But if they admit the 450, that's a huge number. And it's a big reason why rolling to remember this year has got to come and remember all those who gave so much over the last 20 years in Afghanistan and remember the ones that didn't get out, including remembering our Afghan allies. People say the interpreters, there were so many people that helped us in so many ways, and Afghan people. But we're going to celebrate that this year at Rolling to Remember in Washington on Memorial Day. And I hope everybody out there is planning on being there. It's important. You're going to be there, right? Yeah. Honey, baby? Yeah? Again? So I missed the last two years. Yeah, COVID. So this year, hopefully, we're all going to be there again in this COVID cover-up. I'm not ready to talk about how I feel about COVID. I don't know if you are. But... I think at some point down the road, we're going to get to talking about what our feelings about, I don't know if I should call it the COVID cover-up, the COVID controversy or whatever, but there's something going on that's just, just wrong. Personally, it kind of reminds me of the cancer situation. Like, they don't want to cure cancer because they make so much money. Wow. Wow. Now that's a that's a big statement. That's how I feel. I think it's you're my agree. opinion. We've we've talked about that. Mm-hmm. A lot of people talk about that. Yeah. And this is another way for them to make tons of money and work through saying that this one's sick. No one will say you have a, the flu or a cold anymore. Everything's gonna be COVID. So and from what I'm hearing is the hospitals get money for that COVID relief. So they are just going to keep saying it's COVID so they can keep getting funded. And there's so much controversy over, did somebody die of COVID or did they die with COVID? Right. And how is that different or differentiated in the how they calculate who's getting what, what hospitals are getting paid? And I've heard all kinds of different numbers. We were talking with our friends out here last weekend who, you know, nurses and people that are in the healthcare industry. They were saying they get 13000 and I've heard they get 30000 Yeah. So at some point, this all has to come together. And the, and the big number that, that I, and again, I don't want to get into a political rant right away. I want to kind of slide into my political rant, but we're on the subject. More people died of COVID in 2021 than in 2020. So in 2020, all you heard every day, 
How many people died? Donald Trump killed so many people. You know, he's responsible for all these deaths. So Donald Trump, that's all you heard. It was on the news, the mainstream media, every single day, on television, every single day. And now that Trump's not in the White House, are they talking about how many people did Biden kill? Oh, no. Are they talking about the vaccine that was created by Operation Warp Speed and President Trump? Are they giving that any credence? No. We're talking about the concern we have. I wonder if the vaccine would have been created just as fast if someone else was in office. I don't think so, because what he had to do is get rid of all the red tape. What person in office, even Republican, is going to get rid of the red tape? Donald Trump was, and I say this in the most respectful way, Donald Trump is an animal. He's a beast. And when he gets in there and he says, this is going to get done, gets done, he rips things apart to make them happen. And I don't think that there are politicians who are just, you know, they're going to go through the process. They're polite. They do things through a certain order. And I, I don't think others could have gotten rid of the red tape that Donald Trump just said. He just ripped it apart. He just, just burnt it, cut it. And he, he knew step by step what had to be done. And he followed through, they, you know, in the first three months and the next three. Wait a minute. No, 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 no. Okay, we got this. Now we got to get to it. No, you got to do this. And you got to get rid of this. And get what is it necessary? Is it necessary to know that you've got something that's going to work? And if it's not necessary, get rid of it. And so much of that red tape is just political bullshit. And it's just that it grew because people get money. People have jobs and they want to justify their job and their position. So it says, okay, it takes this step now, the next step, okay, send it to so-and-so labs over there and hey, it's going to take a month. They'll get to it and it'll come in, it'll come right back. No, 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 no. I'm getting into that lab and it's going to take a day. There's no reason to wait a month. There's no reason to wait a week. That's Donald Trump. And that's the way of doing business that he instills and the staff that he has working for him. And what has Biden done since he's got in office? He hasn't even been able to get enough people vaccinated to allow a, a herd. It, it hasn't happened the way it would have happened had Trump still been president. But you don't hear any criticism. You don't hear anything. You don't hear herd immunity anymore. You used to hear it all the time because they expected it to happen. It hasn't happened. Are they criticizing Biden because it hasn't happened? No, you don't hear it. No, you don't. So anyway, I want to save that. We're going to come to some place with the American people. And you know, when I say the American people, again, it goes back to the media. The people in High places. When we talk about truth to power, yes, we're seeing, and it's interesting, we're seeing it now as parents step up to school boards and talk truth to power. And we're seeing it. And it, it is getting into the media. We see it on TV. We see it even on CNN as well as on Fox. But for the most part, you don't hear enough 
we have to find out how this originated. All we hear is, well, China won't cooperate. Okay, they won't cooperate. Who's going to get out there and find out because it's so important to know where and how this originated? But nobody's pushing for it. So if you don't have the media pushing this, it's left to the people. Now what do we do? Do we wait for people to riot and to, we're seeing it, aren't we? We're seeing it with fuck Joe Biden. Let's go Brandon. We're seeing it and hearing it. And it's, it's terrible that it, it has to come to stuff like that. That's, it's not right. I don't care how I feel about Joe Biden. I think we've talked about this before. I don't want to see the office of the presidency dragged through the mud like this. But the people are starting to raise their voices. I think the election on Tuesday, and we got two, one in Virginia, one in New Jersey. And I think, you know, Governor Murphy in New Jersey probably should be a little bit worried. Not likely he's going to be overturned. But you know what? If it happens, because New Jersey's got a viable candidate running for governor against Murphy, a Republican. And it's a long shot. But he went from how many places behind to like within 5%, 10%, Catarelli. And it's close. But okay, that could happen. But the race in Virginia against McAuliffe and, and the Republican Yunkin is like Yunkin's ahead. Nobody could believe it. Virginia is like totally blue, totally Democrat. McAuliffe was ahead by like, what, 15 points, 10 points, 20 points, some crazy numbers. And then Youngkin came up when McAuliffe said he doesn't think parents should have anything to do with their kids' agenda in school. And we know that the school's teaching them CRT, critical race theory, in some way, shape, or form, teaching them that white people are bad and we're racist and black people have been oppressed. And aren't capable of doing things on that's what he's teaching. And I think black people in America should be outraged that they're put in that position and talked about like that. And that's what Condoleezza Rice said right there on the view. So we have this race going on, and the day is Tuesday, November second, and it's a big day. What are your thoughts on what's gonna happen and the fact that people are starting to speak up because the media won't? I mean, I guess it's all going to tell us on Tuesday when they decide on Virginia. It's going to let us know if the people are really fed up. Well, I think the people are fed up. That's why you're seeing this Yunkin being I able mean, to. But if he wins. If he wins, it'll be amazing. Then, then we know that they're really fed up and there's a change happening. If he doesn't win, then that's a whole other conversation. Well, I guess you could say he wasn't supposed to win, but the Democrats will go crazy over the top yeah. if he doesn't win. Oh, they'll probably say he cheated or he didn't win fair. Oh, they'll just... Something, they'll, yeah. They'll take it as an endorsement of all their policies and everything they're doing. See, we were right all the time. The parents do want us to talk about critical race. They do want us to right. talk about all the different genders out there. And this is what parents want. And because they put Terry McAuliffe... And his governor, and if they didn't want him as governor, they wouldn't want these policies. I mean, that's just the way it is. When is when? 
And if we don't win, then, you know, uh, <laughs> second place is just the first place of all the losers. That's all it is. And I don't care if it's only a two-person race. Second place is still second place. So let's hope that Yunkin wins this and makes a statement for all of us. But let's also hope that this Catarelli wins in New Jersey. Wouldn't that be amazing? That would be amazing. The issues on the table seem to be the parents at the schools and CRT and the whole gender thing. I mean, they had in Loudoun County, which is Virginia, they had a girl raped in the girl's bathroom by a boy. And I'm glad they keep on saying a boy. He's some transgender kid dressed up just like a girl. So I guess he wants to call himself, oh, I have identified as a girl. How do, what do you announce? What are your pronouns? What do you, who cares? You're a guy. You go into a girl's bathroom, and they're saying it's okay to do that because they think it's important to support anybody who decides that they're any gender they want to be, and they say there's many more than two genders. How many genders? Yeah, there may be somebody in transition from one to the other because there are two, but they're saying there are many. This is very confusing. And how old are the kids? Are kids really supposed to be subjected to this kind of teaching? We This is new stuff. I didn't hear about this 10, 15 years ago. This is like, wait a minute, where'd this come from? Out of left field, literally left field. And now we have somebody whose daughter is raped by quote-unquote transgender. He's a, a boy dressed as a girl, goes in the girl's bathroom. And they deny it. They say it never happened. They say that, I mean, they're going through this stuff. Then they find out the same kid goes and does it in a different high school. Rapes somebody else or sexually terrorizes some other girl in a girl's bathroom dressed up as a girl. So this is happening. And the school is supporting it by denying it. So there's other stuff going on. We're also talking about mask mandates for kids, vaccine mandates for kids. All this stuff is wrapped up in one big package called the governor's race, pretty much centered in Virginia, which is another interesting factor is that the Republicans, who I think their PR is horrible, you know what I I always say, there's two parties in America. One's evil and one's stupid. That's pretty much what I think. Of the other. But here, you haven't heard much about Jersey. They've let the focus be totally on Virginia. Now, maybe it just happened because of the, the Democrats and, and the mainstream media and, and all the rest of it. But if it did happen this way, well, congratulations to the Republicans. Because that win which is much more likely to happen in Virginia, is going to be monumental. And the fact that they don't have to win two is really big, which you would think that the Democrats would have made it that, okay, if they win both, that's big. If they only win one, it's not a big deal. And the Democrats haven't been able to do that. So thanks to the Republicans doing a good job of handling this. Better than I've seen them do in the past because these things don't happen by accident. So, what's your thoughts? I already told you what my thoughts are. <laughs> McCullough for Yunkin. What do you think? What I would like is for it to be a Republican. Right. What, what do you think? I don't know. You don't know? No. Everything's very unpredictable. True. True. So, 
All right. Well, you can go into your rant now. You want me to go into my rant now? Okay. For my rant, I just think that all the issues are clear. Let's just talk about the fuel that we talk about all the time fuel prices, energy independence versus what we have now, the border crisis, Afghanistan, and inflation. Had Trump been in the office and these things were what's going on, I think that people like me would have stood up and said, get them out of here. I think we all would have been. I think we never would have accepted what's going on with inflation, with energy. Energy independence is a huge factor. Not having to rely on OPEC, not having to rely on, on importing our, our fuel, our the gasoline for our cars, the home heating oil for our houses, you know, the diesel fuel for the trucks, I mean, for the airlines. I mean, not having to rely on people like OPEC and Saudi Arabia. Being energy independent is a huge thing. And to have that and lose it, if that happened under Trump, we'd be incensed, we'd be furious. The border issue. If the, what was going on in the border today was going on during Trump's presidency, we'd be screaming about it. If Trump pulled out of Afghanistan and handled it the way Biden did with that debacle and left 450 Americans behind and thousands of our Afghan allies who put their lives on the line for us, if what's going on there now was going on during Trump, we would not stand for it. Inflation is off the chain. If you go back to Roll Right Radio back in March, in March, I was saying, take a look, because the inflation was just starting to rear its ugly head. And I said, make a chart. Tape with your refrigerator and mark down. I started to say the 10. I said, no, just take, take five things. Fuel, milk, eggs, butter, you know, pick wood, construction material. Take five, just pick five things. Put down the price on that day, and then every week, every two weeks, or every month, put down the new price. So if you do it on March 15th and on April 15th and on May 15th and on June, well, if you did that, you'd be looking today, going into the beginning of November, just huge price increases, even more than I thought. But now... And when the Democrats came out and there's Janet Yellen, the head of the Treasury, and there's Biden, and they're saying, oh, this is transitory. It's not transitory. It never was transitory. And now they're not even saying it is or it would be because the Fed's saying, no, it's probably not. It's probably not. And so we see this, this horrible situation. What are we doing about it? When they asked Biden at his press conference, what, last week, a week before, when they said, you know, what are you going to do about gas prices? What can you do about inflation? He goes, well, probably nothing. We'll have to wait it out. Wait it out? Or he's going to open up the fuel reserves that, by the way, was created by Trump. Not that we didn't have reserves before, but Trump said when the prices went way down, he just built those reserves up, like 200 million barrels or whatever, and threw them in the reserves. But you don't want to use them now. And then he says, that'll bring it down about 18 cents. 18 cents? A drop in a literal bucket. 18 cents, really? 
No, that's that's not acceptable. <laughs> you got to bring it down. Two dollars. That's why it went up since your presidency, Mr. Biden. You got to bring it down. It's, it's just off the chain, closing the Keystone pipelines. And this alone should be enough to alarm every voter out there, especially the Democrat voters. We need you. We need you on our side. We need you to tell those Democrats in Congress enough's enough. And look, if you're not pissed off because of what you're hearing, you, you and I can differ. The climate change argument. You could say climate. I get it. I don't agree with you. Before humans were here, how many times did the climate change? The whole earth was frozen over. You had the ice age. That's what killed off the dinosaurs. Things happened. Dinosaurs weren't driving cars. They weren't emitting CO2. They weren't smoking and drinking and flying around in private jets. They weren't doing anything to hurt the environment except breathing and farting. You know, it's natural. The earth, the climate, it's always changing. How many times have we changed in the millions of years before the, before the human being came here? And Al Gore, by the way, was not the first boy to cry wolf. And he, clearly he's not the last. But remember what Al Gore was saying in the 90s. That, oh, it's all going to come to an end. And, you know, how many years did he give us? 10 years, 12 years? I think he gave us two or three years. The inconvenient truth, that movie he made? Come on. It, it's it just, okay, we can put that on the side. We can argue about that. Do you really want to put in place policies where the United States, maybe some European countries and whatever, are going to be the only ones who are compliant? And the countries like China, India, Russia, Mexico, go to Mexico City. You got to wear a mask and in about COVID. It's about breathing air because the air is so clogged. You can't breathe the air like places in China, just like that and India. So they're not going to be compliant with this, you know, climate, the Paris Climate Accords. Oh, yeah, that, sure. We're putting in billions of dollars. And the USA, we're going to be paying a huge price while they prosper, especially China, where unfettered manufacturing will be a benefit to their economy. It'll be a huge, unfettered. You know, you're not going to have people inspect and say, oh, you're admitted too much, uh, there's too much gas coming out of your factories. And this, you, you, you don't have access to that. Just like you don't have access to verify anything about what Iran is doing. These guys want to go back into the Iran nuclear deal? Really? JPOA or whatever it is, the joint, blah, 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 blah. nobody can verify. We know, we're not going to be able to go into China and say, are you complying with the climate change rules that you agreed to? And we don't have access to find out what happened to create this COVID virus in Wuhan. Come on. All you Democrats, independents, everybody out there, please. The situation is bad. We need a tough guy out there. We need that animal. We need that beast. We do. And if you're not going to have him, at least get some common sense Republicans in there. Jim Jordan's of the world. Get them in there to be tougher on China. Let's talk about this $3.5 trillion deal. 
That's what it is. Three and a half trillion on top of a billion, top of a 1.2 trillion that was already agreed upon. And that's the um, infrastructure deal. They call bipartisan because the Democrats and the Republicans agree we need infrastructure, not the human infrastructure, but they went along with it. They compromised. They said, okay, fine, we do need to fix the bridges and the roads and this stuff. So we'll go along with it. But we're not going along with $3.5 trillion. So here on the other side, yeah, you got Manchin, you got people arguing that $3.5 trillion is way too much. So what do they do? You know, Manchin says, Oh, I'm only going to 1.5. So now they're going to go to 1.75. And you say, well, I guess he got it down. Take a look. It didn't go down. They just cut it. Because you calculate this on how much you're spending over 10 years. That's what it's all calculated on. The budget agencies that review this and look at it and analyze it and come out with their all do that based on a 10-year period of time. Okay? 10 years. So 10 years spending 3.5 trillion plus the 1.2 trillion plus all this other, it came to over $6 trillion. So what did they do? They said, well, we're going to bring down the 1.75 and we're going to, and what they do, they made it five years instead of 10 years. You're going to accept that. You're going to accept that, that they are lying to you. That's what they're doing. You're accepting being lied to. They're pulling the wool over your eyes. No, they're just looking at you like you're stupid because you don't know that what they did was make it go from 10 years to five years. So they, they cut in half. That's all they did. Now, by the way, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that they're talking about, putting money in for this and money in for that. All kinds of other rules and things. I don't. I don't have the list in front of me right now, but we'll talk about it during the week, the next draw podcast, because these are important things. Now, I think that right now we're kind of waiting for this big election on Tuesday. It's huge, and we and we need to wait for it and see what the answer is. But hopefully, the people in Virginia will send a message to the Democrats. Your Democrats out there. Send a message to your party. Do you think you have Democrats listening to you? Oh, yeah. Oh, good. I know I have Democrats listening. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I want to say if your family, but... <laughs> my family? You mean your family? Well, I... Uh, oh, okay. It's hard for Mike to digest. That no, but that's he true. He actually has family members that listen, you know, on the other side. I, I totally agree with you on that, and it's hurt me for 40 or 50 years. Uh, Seriously. I know. It really, really hurts. Well, I had a family member, but now they've come over to our side. So I don't have anyone in my family. Uh, We're not going to discuss it. Okay. But you have a lot more than I did. That's true. Yeah. Your whole family, except one person. Except for a couple of people. (laughs) I can't argue with it. And it sucks. Hey, we got the World Series tonight. What do you think? Well, you, do you know who's I'm playing? not interested you know? in the World Series at all. <laughs> no, thank you. I want to say this about the World Series, though. I want to say that karma is a bitch. Here, they took away the All-Star game from Atlanta, Georgia, because Georgia passed a voting law that the Democrats didn't like. Just to show you how powerful the Democrats in this country are. That's why when, the, when we talk about truth to power, the power 
is those Democrats, the left wing, then Ilan Omar and, I mean, AOC, and they're running the country. They're the ones who are telling Joe Biden what to do and what to say and what to pass and what to fail. Them and, by the way, Nancy Pelosi, boy, she's the highest level executioner that there is. I mean, my God, she wields a mighty sword, boy, and that's power. And the truth is, when they said they didn't like the law that Georgia passed, they moved the all-star game to Denver. So Atlanta, Georgia lost so much. And then here come the Braves. And by the way, the Braves, the Bra- who are they named after the Braves? They named after the average Indian. There were Indian chiefs. Warriors, Braves. But it was named after the Braves. It's a positive. It's like when when someone gives you a nickname, it's positive. It's kind of cool, right? People don't pick bad nicknames. Do you have a nickname? Me? Yeah. How about New York Mike? Oh, I say someone didn't give that. No, someone gave that to me. No, but when I was in junior, not even high school, junior, my nickname was Tarzan back in Brooklyn. Yeah. It was. Okay. Oh, you think I'm some guy swinging from trees in the jungle? I can't even talk decent English? What? No, I didn't take it that. I took it as a compliment. Okay. You know, I mean, you know, Johnny Weissmuller, boom. It was great, man. So, a nickname, the Braves. And I'm so proud of them. When they got the chop thing going on, it's like, hey, I think it's a tribute to the American Indians. We could talk about that at some other podcast. I can have some of my friends who are part of the Indian tribes out there. Oh, get yeah. them on there. Yeah, I've done, hey, I've debated this issue with them over the years and years. But nonetheless, the World Series, three games, not one All-Star game, but three. And by the way, I think the World Series has a lot more weight than the All-Star game. What do you think? Do you think there's more people going to attend a World Series Game? Honestly, you're asking the wrong person. I can't even help you with that answer. Wow. Okay. Ever since the whole kneeling thing, I've banned all sports. I don't watch anything. I just refuse. Yeah. It just disturbed me so much that that happened. Well, it's not like I'm watching this, but you know, I have tuned it in here and there because it's kind of cool. Because you got to talk about it at the cigar player. I I, I, want to see this. No, I don't. I'm sitting there at Excalibur's gone. Where I love being there and smoking these guys. And they're talking about things that are going way past me. They know the, who's playing who in basketball, football, baseball, college basketball, college baseball, college football. I mean, and they know the names of the players in this. I don't know any of that stuff. Forget about the NFL. I'm not going to have anything to do with any of that stuff. Then they talk about the stock market. But, you know, I'm comfortable there. I don't mind it. Pick my head up once in a while and say, hey, guys. But one more thing I want to talk about before we go today, because it's something else that I think they're trying to pull the wool over our eyes. Electric vehicles. Katrina, who's paying for these electric vehicles? And if they're going to put a surcharge or a tax or whatever on miles driven, and they're saying that the reason they're doing it or contemplating it is because now that all these electric cars are out there, they're not collecting enough money for fuel tax. And it's, wait a minute, what are you going to do in 10 years when there is no more, well, this is what they say, but as there are less and less gas stations, 
we're going to hit a place in this country. We're going to hit a wall. And there, there are people who are going to be like, wait a minute. How far do I have to go before I hit a gas station? I don't have 150 miles left in my tank. This is what's going to happen. It's going to become a serious issue. And then who's going to pay? Because the price of charging your electric vehicle is going to go up. And then you're going to have gas stations. You're going to put in charging stations. So you're going to pay for the electricity that you're putting into your car. And there's going to be a surcharge. That's going to go to be the profit that goes to the gas station. Yeah. So right now, I think charging probably costs about a third, I'm guessing, a third of what it costs to put gas in your car. So if it costs you 30 bucks to fill up a gas, costs maybe $10 to charge. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's a little less, but it's going up inevitably. And then the government's going to put all kinds of more charge. When you become totally dependent upon electricity, how much worse is that going to be? Have we really thought out and then what happens when the electricity goes out? It goes out. <laughs> yeah. Remember? He's going to be able to charge their car. How many times in New York were the total blackouts? I mean, one time in the 60s and then again in the early 2000s. It happened. It can happen very easily. So, all right, honey baby. I think we talked about most of the, there's not much you want to say today, is there? No, I'm a little just quiet today. You are just quiet today. Yeah. Just yeah? unwinding from the day. You're winding from the day, from the week? Yeah. Everything good? Everything's great. Got a big week coming up? Yeah, big week. Big week. Yeah. Next weekend's a big weekend? Yep. All right. We got daylight savings. Daylight savings week. is going away. Is it? Yeah, that's what happens. We lose an hour of daylight, gets dark early. I, that. I also read somewhere that they're trying to get rid of daylight savings altogether. Are they really? That's what I saw on social media. I thought they're trying to bring daylight savings into 11 months a year or all year round. You know what? I got enough to keep my mind occupied just with what we just talked about. Subscribe to Roll Right Radio. And we'll be talking Follow about Virginia. Virginia. Yeah. But, you know, yes, Virginia. Yes, there is Virginia. an election. Yes. It's coming up. Go out, vote. Vote, vote, vote. And Hopefully so is, your vote won't matter. That's right. So is Roll Right Radio. I'm New York Mike. Roll Right Radio, out. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Roll Right Radio podcast. Listen, follow, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.